0: this is jennifer pepito with the restoration home podcast this is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities and today i'm talking to heather McFadden. she hosts the podcast don't mom alone and she also has this new book called right where you belong that i'm so excited about And in this series in the Restoration Home podcast, we're talking about developing our own family rule. You know, the whole content of the podcast so far and the content of the book that will be coming out with the same name is about, you know, Christian, like rebuilding Christian culture in our own families in the world at large, you know, connecting our families and communities through having a set of family values that you live by, even if nobody else is living by the same values. And so I'm excited to talk to Heather today because she has both grown up in a family with their own set of values and then is raising her own family with its own set of values. And I'm excited to just learn from you today, Heather. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. Always good to talk to you. Yeah, I'm really excited because you have just written this book, Right Where You Belong, and it's kind of all about Figuring that out, like, what are your values? What has God called you to? What is the special uh, vocation for your life? And I think sometimes, as moms, it is hard to discern. Like, we almost think there is one right way to be a mom. Like, to be a mom, we take our kids to sports or we take them to school, or we put them in music, like we see what sort of the culture at large is doing. And we think that must be it. And then taking a divergent path, whether it is being a missionary family, or being a homeschool family, or being a, you know, a chess family, whatever it might be, can be really hard. Can you tell me a little bit about how you have kind of found your own way?
1: Yeah, I think for some people, it's not hard. These are the people who are like, I don't want to follow what everyone else is doing and I'm real happy to make my own path. I am more the person who's comparing and contrasting and feeling less than if I'm not keeping up with the Joneses and so I felt this feeling of I'm going to miss out if I don't keep up with this formula and the trick is every person has their own path with God. And so, when I'm comparing, contrasting, and feeling less than, I'm missing out on my path with God. And so, I wanted to help anyone who is similar to me in their own journey with Jesus to listen to his voice, to see what he's given them to steward already, to see it as significant and to not miss out on what the actual thing is, which is the invitations by God to join him in the work he's doing. And so, If that is you, mom, and you feel assigned or in this season, you are working outside the home or you are the mom and you're like, man, I don't don't know, but I really feel like this is a time to homeschool or man, I feel like really passionate about this hurting group of people and I want to do something about it. And what does that look like for me? And is it okay if I start with my neighborhood? And it's like, yes, (laughs) you know. So looking at these different aspects of your life, I feel like when I did that, it just brought a lot of peace and clarity and confidence in my own journey instead of always feeling like I'm missing something or wondering if I'm doing enough or um, our family as a whole really missing out on the peace because I would constantly be inspired for another route by something I saw on Instagram or a podcast I heard. So. I don't know if that answered your question, but that's kind of my own journey.
0: This whole um, series in the book is inspired partly by the life of St. Benedict because he came up with this rule of life that is still used in Benedictine monasteries. And there's a lot of really basic life principles in there, but he didn't come up with it just out of nowhere. Like he didn't go to school to come up with a rule of life. He actually spent three years in a cave just praying and eating whatever somebody would bring him before he came up with this. And I think that's really significant because it's okay to experiment as you're trying to come up with your own family rule and what you're supposed to do. It's okay to experiment. Like maybe you do try homeschooling or you do try working outside the home or you do try some kind of ministry And then that's not what you do forever. And that's okay, too. Like, as in our family, you know, we have some inherent family values. Like, we love travel and missions. We love worship. We love outdoor time. The way that's looked in our lives at different times has changed. Like, for a while, we were missionaries, but then didn't do that forever. For a season, we traveled more. And then there's a season where we're home more. So I think recognizing that you might know your underlying values, but the way you work that out might change. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I call I like bendy things. That's why the front cover is all the bendy lines, because I also appreciate boundaries. So I feel like God has given us these boundaries so we can't be all the things or be all-knowing, know how everything's going to work out. That's God limiting us. We are limited human beings. It's part of the 12-step recovery process is acknowledging I am limited. And this whole idea that I can control things outside of myself— is what's causing me to choose other coping mechanisms. And so limits are great, but also our lives are bendy and this journey with God is winding. And yet, like you said, there can be themes and there can be values that are a theme and a line that we can follow through our lives. And there can also be experiences. Like you're saying, taking from my own past experiences, evaluating what I want to keep and what I don't want to keep and even for my husband so then he has his set of experiences what is he going to keep what are we and then we're coming together and we're like okay what do we now as the this set of family what do we find as important and what do we want to put value and time into and you know to me honestly now having teenagers I think it gets real hard to hold those values and create a family culture because they all have these devices or outside influence and so they're even i think starting to form their values and starting to kind of create their offshoots even if they aren't married yet and don't have families it's like they're starting to individuate and decide what they want to keep from our family and not and you have to in a healthy way let them and kind of let go of what your family was when they were 5 and 7 and you know like it's not that anymore and so again it's bending it's just like this family culture is evolving even in these teen years. And I have to let go of past versions of us to embrace the current one. Yeah.
0: And that's one of the things I talk about in the book is I feel like a lot of families, when they see their adult children or their teen children start doing things that maybe isn't what they hoped for. Like maybe they thought they were all going to be this handicraft family homesteading together. And then their child goes and joins a band or something. And so partly though, we have to, as moms, stay solid and steady with our values. Like, I don't think we have to remake our theology based on what our children do. I see a lot, mm-hmm. I see that a lot where their kids maybe make a choice that's different and then the moms throw away their faith as well. And I think we, we mm-hmm. as mothers and our families can be steady with what we believe, you know, what our values are, even if our children. At the moment yeah. or forever, do not follow that.
1: Yeah, I think that fits. Yeah, with I was. I'll give a quick example of that. Would be, you know, we have chosen to be a part of a church even when friends have left or um, leadership might have changed. Nothing inappropriate has happened there, but we have ch- we have chosen to stay there because of the community we've built. And there have been seasons when we've let our teens choose to attend another church because we want to give that freedom of. What they valued was, was a different value than what we did, but we wanted to model, model for them, this was still important to us. This aspect of the church was really important to us, and we held to that. And we didn't say, okay, we'll go wherever you want because that's important to you. And, so, and then wouldn't you know, they've come back. And I think that—I I just think we don't, yes, as they individuate, become like them and change who we are just to make everybody happy. That doesn't yeah. usually work out.
0: That's so good because that, you know, there is, like I talked in a post, you have to sort of have nerves of steel with your with your teens and young adults because there is this individuating and sometimes things they do aren't exactly what you dreamed of. And we have to figure out, like, how how much is healthy pressure, like healthy cultural pressure, like, yes, it is wrong to have sex outside of marriage or, or you know, divorce or, I mean, some of these things – Obviously, there are times and places where these things happen and there's grace, but there are cultural Christian values that are solid, and we don't necessarily just change our theology based on um, the stuff that people go through that we can receive forgiveness for, but we also um, have to have grace with people's journey. Everyone's on their own journey, and we have to be gracious
1: and um, loving as they go through it. Um, and one, realize we don't know everything. We don't yes. know what that journey, what God's doing through it, their yeah. own process with God. Like they may hit rock bottom. Totally. And we aren't God. No. <laughs> news, flash. news flash, moms. Actually, and,
0: and I talked about this before. I'm doing uh, John Eldridge Daily Pause app right now. And he starts that prayer by just saying, God, I give you everyone and everything. Because it is so such a lie that as mothers we believe that we can control everyone and everything. and it and the more we hang on to that lie, the more painful our lives are. But as we release you know our husbands, our children to God, and just work on our own, work out our own salvation of fear and trembling, we can have so much more peace. So one of the things I love about you is that you, grew up in this, um, you were homeschooled. So a lot of my listeners are homeschooled. I have a homeschool curriculum company that creates connection and families. And so, you know, as we're doing that, that's a whole certain family rule that can be good or bad. What are some of the good and bad of your, your, the family rule or the family culture that you grew up in?
1: Yeah. Um, so in my family, we had two, my siblings were a lot older than me. My sister was 16 when I was born and my brother was 11. And my parents had them when they were younger. And then we they had me and my younger brother and their older age, they would say. And so I think my mom, when it came time to have a, a mom redo, right? So she, she got a chance to try again, all the things. She was like, I'm going to, she had um, her own garden. She planted all her own vegetables and fruits. And then she had, uh, she was in a co-op of, you know, even our saran wrap was chemical free. Um, you know, you just stir the peanut butter. That was that was my growing up. I didn't ever had like regular white bread. Um, and then she also was going to homeschool. And so she decided when I was in second grade or when I started third grade, but she decided when I was in second grade that she would homeschool my younger brother and myself. And so I was homeschooled third Through eighth grade. And it was also a pretty conservative background. My dad um, was a lawyer, but also a politician and ran for a lot of offices. So there was a lot of elections and political parts of our story. Um, But faith was a, a really strong dominant force. My parents became believers later in life as adults through a neighborhood Bible study my mom attended. And so They were new believers with my older brother and sister and their faith had been refined. They kind of dropped a lot of the legalism by the time they got to us. But they really, I mean, faith was a super dominant force. That's what all I knew growing up was uh, a solid foundation in God. My dad would teach us Bible study at the kitchen table to start our school day. Um, My mom would be discipling people all the time. And so, yes, faith. I think is something that I have continued into my parenting and my family journey as a high value. I don't know necessarily that my boys have fallen completely into the ranks. We've, you know, ups and downs over the years, um, which I think is healthy and normal. But the homeschooling piece, I didn't necessarily want to bring into my mothering. Uh, there were aspects that I didn't really love. Again, I don't know a difference <laughs> from what if I'd gone to a traditional school setting? What what would I be like? I don't know what gifts I gained, but um, I do think it negatively impacted my relationship with my mom. I don't think it helped uh, our relationship. I felt very. it was very performance. I felt like my relationship was very performative, and that's a lot me, my personality. Um, I also think that there were times that I didn't really uh, activate learning, kind of went the easy route in my education. And so I often wonder, like, could I have excelled a little more academically because of that drive I personally had and that performative? Maybe I would have succumbed to the pressure. I don't know how my personality in a different environment would have happened would have worked and how it would have worked out. But, um, when it came to having my own children, my husband grew up and going to public schools in Houston. So we met in the middle with classical Christian (laughs) private school as the option for our boys. But, um, there was one year I homeschooled one of my boys and I get a lot of credit from people for that. They're like, don't you homeschool your kids? I'm like, no, one kid, one year. That was all. That's it. And I don't regret it. Like that was a really, that was a God led, Choice in a really hard season of life. Um, my dad passed away. My mom was going through chemo and radiation and surgery for breast cancer, and so she was living with us. And it was actually easier to homeschool him than to have him be in traditional school. So, yeah,
0: I really appreciate you sharing because I think a lot of families, you know, myself included, started homeschooling for many reasons. Like I love my kids. I think I can do better than the public schools, but also. I didn't have the dream childhood. I didn't have a great experience. And so there was a, in some, there was a certain sense that this was a chance to do things different. And I think there are a lot of, on the converse, you know, women who were homeschooled and a very authoritarian or legalistic atmosphere who are now like, I don't want anything to do with homeschooling or even faith. And so a big, you know, part of my message in the Especially mothering by the book, is how important it is to before you establish your values as a person, process some of your trauma. And I know you talk about this too in "Don't Mom Alone." I know that you do that. You have your own um, inner healing prayer ministry because if we don't first address what we've been through, forgiving our parents, forgiving maybe maybe it was teachers, maybe it was pastors, whoever it was. As we're trying to establish a family rule, as we're trying to establish our own family values, if we do not first forgive the people who offended us in childhood, and not just forgive, but cry about it, journal about it, invite Jesus into the pain, ask him to comfort you, if we don't do that first, our rule will be a reaction. And so instead of developing something that is Holy Spirit led, we'll be developing just a reaction to what we experienced.
1: Yeah, and you don't have the freedom to be led a hundred percent by God uniquely for each family member. Like if I had held on to that past as, um, and I think when we have whatever experiences we have, we create beliefs about who God is, who we are, and that's what you're saying. Like through the prayer, getting those beliefs aligned with truth and letting go of lies. If I hadn't have done that work, one the work to with my mom and that relationship before she lived with us, that would have been a catastrophic journey. But also just the freedom to not create a rule of, a different rule, not your rule of life, but a a rule in my mind that I will never homeschool. I would have missed out on the fantastic opportunity I had with my son. I would have missed out on the obedience. And I really felt God leading me to do that for that year with that child. And so Yes, I agree. Like healing up so we're not reacting, but also healing up so we can be led into the spaces that God has for us that may not follow that pattern of everyone around us, or may follow into a pattern we didn't think we could ever want. And you were like, okay, I said I would never, I thought in my mind I would never do this, but only God can redeem all things and show me um, that He's bigger than even my past pain and." uh struggles or circumstances, whatever that is for each of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate that about your work. And, that, and it's a big part of my first book, Mothering by the Book is just, if we don't process some of that, you know, I would never have gone and been a missionary. And then after I was a missionary, I said, I would never be a missionary again. And then we did, um, you know, a, a big trip to Africa. And I would never have done those things if I hadn't processed some of that childhood pain, because that is the at the root of so many of our adult issues, our fears and our, our hurt. So what are some of the things that, you know, in the book you're talking about just helping people find, yeah, find that they identify the rule of life for themselves, identify, you know, the, the places that God has called them to, what would you say is one of the first best steps towards getting there?
1: Yeah, so it came, the concept came from a tweet about humility that said the expanded Hebrew definition of humility is to occupy your God-given space. So it's in humility that we look at where God has us and we fill that space. But part of that is, okay, God, where do you have me? What are the boundary lines of that space? And it makes me think of the Israelites when God draws up those boundary lines for the land He gave them, Right it's a God-given space, is the promised land. And He told each tribe where to—He assigned the tribes to the different parts of Israel. And so He's assigning us. And the one of the boundary lines is time, like looking at the dynamics of time. If you are working a full-time job and you're feeling called to homeschool, you may have to evaluate, Okay, God, as the, I only have so many hours in the day. What is this going to look like? If, if you're calling me to this, then, or you're assigning this to me, then you've got to bring to mind, how does this work in my space? <laughs> and is this a job change? And I move to a part-time job. Is this a working from home? Like the time aspect is an important boundary line. We are only given so much time. We are given a limited view, like we said before, of how this will all work out. And so you ask God these questions. What is my space as it relates to time? What is my space as it relates to physical place or positions of power or authority? What is my space in regards to wiring, my own wiring? What is my space in regards to experiences? Like we were just saying, your experience as a missionary, our different experiences as families. And I believe strongly that you bring all of these questions to God. And in the book, there's a whole worksheet of questions that you can spend time with God And ask Him and just pause and listen. And I am of the faith that He will speak to you through the Holy Spirit, not with an audible voice necessarily, but through thoughts that come to mind. And I have found that for my own life, when I am at a crossroads on a decision or I'm needing direction, even if it's a small direction with a kid or insight, if I bring these to Him, He will bring to mind the answer. Um, I believe in... (laughs) His direction in my life, like the lamp for your feet for the next step. And so that's what I've kind of discovered in this is walking with God and engaging in conversation with Him when it comes to your life instead of just plowing forward. Like you said, either reacting from our past pain or just deciding this is what our rule of life is going to be for our family because... That's what everyone else is doing, and that's what good families do, um, really bringing it to God. I even talk about rule of life in the book as regards to, okay, you have this space maybe. How are you stewarding it? Because the rule of life is like a garden. You know, it's the where th- good things grow. What have you put in place to help good things grow in your family, and what do you need to put in place? Kind of like a priest in the temple— Who's keeping, you know, the incense going and and in charge of maintaining that temple space? It's like, okay, how am I maintaining this space and doing that in an interactive way with God, so that I'm not just in the space but really filling it.
0: Oh, that's really good. I appreciate that because it does take, you know, learning to be discerning of what God's will is yeah. and what He wants us to do. Takes time. Like, if we spend all our time reading novels or watching shows or scrolling Twitter, we will not have that discernment because the voice that's bigger in our head is the voice of the world. And so we'll be reacting instead of discerning.
1: Yeah. When I, in times, yes, when times when I feel really out of sorts and I'm questioning and I'm feeling frustrated with my family, I find that it's because I've been consuming a lot of other people's lives and not communicating with God about my own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And these, you know, the, the saints of old who, you know, Moses with the burning bush, I mean, yes. they had to be cultivating a quiet inner life to be able to see the bush. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. would have ran right by it if they hadn't been living with their eyes open to what God's doing. And so, you know, in my peaceful loop group, we have a monthly habit that we work on. And this month, our habit is quiet time because yeah, if we don't cultivate those habits, that support the rule of life. So there are, there are values that we hold as families, and then we have to have practices that uphold those values. So just in closing, you know, you, you have four, like, teen boys. You, are, you have a busy family. They, like you said, they're growing into adulthood, and they're developing some of their own values. How do you, in that transition period, because, you know, I'm there too. I've got adult children. They're not all doing everything I say all day long. How do you keep some anchors as a family without being legalistic or overbearing?
1: I think that that comes into play with having thought through your values prior so that it's so habitual in their own heartbeats that they don't even recognize that it's unique from others around them. So we do attend a weekly worship service. And I just like, it's not a, oh, are we maybe going to go this week? It's just kind of like we go. Every week, and I would say family is really important. So we're going to be with my husband's parents who live in town, and we're going to hang out with cousins. That's like part of the rhythm of holidays and special events. We're going to be there for graduations. You show up for family, and you are a part of that. That's that family value is is wired into just their experience. Every Christmas, every Thanksgiving. Um, and then I would say creativity is just part of how God made my husband and I. And so we're going to have things around. We're going to talk about creativity. We're going to talk about good books and movies and um, music. And that's just a part of who we are. If I the The thing with, I think, rule of life and family values is if you choose things that are not part of who you are and what really does matter to you, it will not stick. It's not going to last and it's going to, I don't know, it's going to be hard to maintain. Um, I, My quote is, should is not a sustainable why. So just because you think you should, if you do not believe in your core that that's important, it won't stick. Um, I think with our boys too, like, I enjoy just everybody being together, doing things. And so right now that might look like a pickup basketball game in the backyard or some sort of basketball tournament. Um, Family dinners matter to me. So if you're around, we're going to sit around the table and have a conversation. No phones. You know what I mean? Like it's more the rhythms of it. And that's what the rule of life is so great. It's just like this Rhythm of being and you don't even recognize that you're doing it because it's so ingrained. It's so habitual
0: Yeah, these are so good. I really appreciate you sharing Heather because these are basic like you said They're basic rhythms that you probably to some degree don't even think about like your family goes to church every week Your family attends family gatherings and celebrations. Your family has dinner around the table and you've developed your own Christian culture as a family that supports a larger Christian community. And I love that, you know, it doesn't, we all don't have to do the same things. We all don't have to be homesteaders. There was like, you know, I think in the nineties it's really strong. Like here's what Christian culture looks like and it doesn't all have to be the same, but there is, there is a Christian culture that we can be cultivating our homes through knowing what our values are and living them out. So thank you so much for sharing. I'm excited about your book right where you belong. I'll link it in the show notes. And I'm excited for families to discover your podcast as well. You're having such important conversations. Thank you, Jennifer. Always good to be
1: with you.